several years ago, I was in a, another part of the world on a mission trip in a remote area and, and where we're going to be sleeping at. And so I'm meeting with some people and they talked to me about the conditions of what we're going to be doing. And they informed me that they had no indoor plumbing. And they said, if you have to go out in the middle of the night, here's a flashlight. We'll help you be able to see. And so I thought, well, that's a new experience for me. I've never really had that before. And so just praying I'm not going to have to go out at night. But anyway, they tell me if you have to go out at night, use this flashlight. And then they said these words, we have snakes around here. We want you to be aware of those. And so my question was, what kind of snakes are you talking about? And they said, well, generally we're talking about two. We have cobras and then we have a gray snake with black rings around it. Very dangerous snakes. And so my next question was, I said, well, if I get out here in the middle of the night and I get snake bit, what happens to me? They didn't think that was too funny. It wasn't a joke to them. I mean, they just looked at me and said, well, if you get out in the middle of the night and get snake bit, there's nothing we can do for you. You'll die. And so my prayer life went to another level after that and uh, other things as well. But here's what I realized then and I still realize now. Snakes are dangerous. Can I get an amen on that? Uh, I just think they're dangerous. And so I don't think God intended for us to play around with snakes. Even though I'm from Kentucky, I'm just not a snake handler. I just don't like that. I would not want to do that. And here's what I want you to focus in on today. This is an important message. And I want you to lean in over the next 30 minutes or so and grasp what I'm getting ready to talk about from God's Word. Just our snakes are dangerous. And I don't think God intended for us to play around with snakes. Jealousy is dangerous as well. And I don't think God intended for us to play around with jealousy. Jealousy in families... Jealousy at schools, jealousy in workplaces, even jealousy in churches, and even jealousy among people in ministry. The Bible uses words envy, jealousy, those type things. You can look at Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. You can see that. The great chapter on love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. You see Peter writing about this in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Envy, jealousy should not be a part of who we are in Christ. But then we come to 1 Samuel 18 and we see Saul the king. We see David the shepherd boy who takes down Goliath. And we see the heart, the attitude, the perspective of Saul in relationship to this young guy by the name of David. When you look at David's life, David knew how to spend time with God. He understood solitude was so important in his life. And even as a young boy, as a shepherd boy, David had heard Goliath taunting the people of Israel, shouting at them and intimidating them. And David was saying, I don't want that to ever happen to God's people. And David also realized that this, this Goliath and the battle was not his, it was the Lord's. And he testified about that. The battle is the Lord's and he realized by the strength and power of God, he could take Goliath down. And then David, in obedience with just a sling and a stone, he took down this giant. And the giant falls and the giant is dead. And news about David and Goliath spread to other people. And then we see in our text, then women start dancing and singing and celebrating. What are they singing? They're saying this, that Saul has struck down thousands, but David, ten thousands. Can you imagine the king of Israel hearing that word? They're saying about him, well, he just did thousands, but here's this young boy named David, very handsome in many ways. He's done ten thousands. Then all of a sudden that day in the life of Saul, 
jealousy reared its ugly head in relationship to him and David. And as we're going to see over the next number of weeks, jealousy cost Saul tremendously. I want to encourage you in the room today, just be honest. If you're watching from somewhere in another state or another country around the world, just be honest. Are you dealing with a jealous spirit in your life? And do you need to be set free from that? When you look at David's life, here's some things I want you to think about. You know, what happened to David after he took down Goliath? What would you expect to happen? Maybe for some of us, we think that he took the throne very quickly. That didn't really happen in David's life. Maybe you thought life was so good for him after doing that. Life was easy. It didn't really happen for David that way after taking down Goliath. Maybe we don't really know this. Did his brothers come back around and praise their little brother for what he did to this giant that was intimidating God's people? We don't really even know about that either. But here's what I can say from God's word. That after David took down Goliath, this giant, victorious, the days following that were some of the deepest, darkest days of David's life. There's a great spiritual lesson for us in that too. Sometimes your giants may fall in life only after that for you to experience some of the deepest spiritual valleys you'll ever go through in your life. And here's what I mean by that. There are times when we find ourselves on a spiritual mountaintop, it's not long after being on the spiritual mountaintop that we find ourselves in a deep spiritual valley. And for David, when he was in that valley after Goliath, God was still conforming his heart and his life, getting him ready to tell the next generation about his might, his power, his wonders. God was still working on the life of David, even in the valley of life. Same is true in your life and mine. We just had to see the other day the Rocky Mountains, snow-covered, majestic, beautiful. And as we looked at the peaks of the Rocky Mountain, we said, you don't have a peak unless you have a valley. And for us to even see that, we had to go through the valley. And so you just realize in life, sometimes after your greatest spiritual victories can come some of your greatest spiritual nightmares and, and, and tough times in your life when you find yourself in a valley in some ways. And that's David's story. So I want you to think about this idea of jealousy. I want you to take your teaching outline. Let's walk through this together. Jealousy, what is the cause? I want you to lean in over the next 25 minutes or so here. I'm thinking about you know, kids and students and adults. This is real stuff to life, every single one of us. But what is the cause? You know, when you, what, why is barbecue so tasty in life? You know, isn't it great? I mean, there's something about quality meat, high heat, and good sauces, and just delicious stuff. Why is that the case? Uh, you look at medical researchers, they're always looking around to say, what is the cause of this disease? What is the cause of cancer? What is the cause of dementia? What is the cause of something else? They're always looking to say, what is the cause of that? And then we look around too. We ask this question to even get a little closer to home. We ask this question a lot about why are so many churches declining and dying? Why, why is that the case? What happens into that? And so here's the thing we often realize when you see a church that's declining a church is dying i mean if you try to live in the past or you fail to preach god's word or you neglect a mission to the world you fail to deal with relational division in the church 
When you neglect all those things, you're on a pathway that you're going to face consequences to that. And sometimes churches are going to decline and die because we've not been doing the main things the Word of God says we should do. And then we look around at our church and we say, why is it at times we struggle to find people who are willing to serve in preschool or with kids or students or in other ministries? Oftentimes we have to beg people sometimes to serve the living Christ and the fellowship of his church. Why is that the case? Lifeway Research came out with some stuff several years ago that talked about the average church member attends about 1.6 times a month. And here's what I've realized over the years in ministry. If, if people attend about 1.6 times a month, less than two times a month, they're generally not looking to serve somewhere in the fellowship of the church. Because they're just not there very much. Here's, here's a sobering question for you to think about. If everyone in our church attended and gave and served like you, what would be the condition of our church? Would our church be healthy? Would our church be generous? Or would our church be struggling? What was the cause? And then you come and look at jealousy. Jealousy, you have to realize, plays no favorites. Just as death plays no favorites, just taxes plays no favorites, jealousy plays no favorites. Here's what I know in life. I mean, I see young kids struggling with jealousy. I see students struggling with jealousy, collegiate students struggling with jealousy. I see adults of all ages struggling with jealousy. Jealous over what? Well, we're jealous over what somebody else does in life. We're jealous over what somebody possesses in life. We're jealous over how someone looks in life. We find ourselves dealing with jealousy, and you may want to write this down. What is the cause of jealousy? Jealousy is a heart issue. The heart has shifted. And when you look at your heart, what is the condition of your heart? Here's what we know. Hearts can shift. You look in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 24. The apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing to the group in Ephesus, what does he say about them? He says, you love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. What a great testimony about a church, about a group of Christ followers. 30-something years later in Revelation chapter 2, what does it say about this same people, the church in Ephesus? One time, 30 years ago, it was said, you love the Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. But here it is, 30-something years later, and the Bible says, you have abandoned, forsaken your first love. The heart shifted. It can happen in churches. It can happen in individuals. It can happen in marriages and families. The heart can shift. So what is the cause of jealousy? It is a shifting of the heart. What is the current spiritual condition of your heart? I've given these three blanks. They're just evaluation for you. Evaluation for me. What is the condition of your heart? Look at the first word. Is cold. Is your heart cold? Here's what I mean by that. When it comes to the things of the Lord and even his people, your heart is just cold to those things. So is your heart cold today when it comes to the Lord and to his people? Second word is casual. Is your heart casual toward the Lord and toward his people? Here's often what that looks like. You go along and say, well, if nothing else interferes, if nothing else is on my calendar, then we'll, we'll come to church and we'll serve the Lord. We'll do other things. But is your heart casual to him? One of the great weaknesses of today's church is casual Christianity among God's people. 
God doesn't want your heart cold. He doesn't want your heart casual. But number three is committed. He wants your heart committed to him. And here's what I mean by that. He wants your heart committed to him to say that when you sing, I surrender all, it's not just a song for you. It's your way of life. Lord, I surrender everything to you. You surrendered everything for me. You lived a perfect life. You gave your life on a cross. You shed your blood for me. You died in my place. You paid my sin debt in full. They put you in a tomb and and, and sealed it. But on the third day, Resurrection Sunday, the tomb was empty. It's still empty today. Jesus Christ has defeated death in the grave and the Son of God and Savior of the world. He is alive. And because He is alive, I'm committed to Him. But I just want to encourage you today, if you're, if you're struggling with jealousy in your life, in your family, or in your school, or your workplace, or even in the body of Christ, the church, or in ministry, what is the current condition of your heart? Is your heart cold? Is your heart casual? Or is your heart committed to Jesus Christ? The condition of your heart. Second, what are the consequences? Uh, you and I need to realize, as we think about uh, jealousy. We understand Saul was very jealous of David. And the cause was his heart had shifted. David was, they were singing this song and it really lifted David up and not Saul. And he became very jealous. His heart was in, in the wrong place. And what were the consequences of that? And we're going to see some of those this week, but also even in the next week. And by the way, if you're having dinner with somebody and they try to kill you at dinner, that dinner's not going well. Uh, you can just write that down. That, that that's, Dinner's not going very good. And that was a story of David and Saul. Saul did everything he could to try to kill David. I want to take his life out. And so it's just not going super well. But, but here are the, here are the consequences. You and I have an enemy. We have an adversary and the adversary wants to do everything he can to defeat and destroy your life. Just as you're not to play around with snakes, I wouldn't encourage you to play around with jealousy. I would never encourage you to play around with our enemy either. He's not a friend of yours. He's a foe of yours. And if he can destroy your life, your marriage, your family, if he can destroy this church, he will do everything he can to do those things. And here's one of the lies that comes from him. And here it is. You can live any way you want to, and you'll never face any consequences. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is not true. The Bible is very clear that whatever you sow, you're also going to reap. You sow to the sinful nature, you'll reap destruction. You sow to the things of the Spirit, you'll reap eternal life. Whatever you sow, you will also reap. Pastor friend of mine, pastored a large, large church. Godly man, character, integrity, have such respect for this man. And there was a lady in the fellowship of that church who had an attraction to him. And he remembered one night, and this, this is just chilling to even think about it. He walked into his office one Sunday night after a service. He walked in only to find this lady sitting in his chair behind his desk. It startled him. He asked, what in the world are you doing? And she said these words to him. She called him by his name, and she said these words. No one will ever find out. It's just you and me. Thank the Lord this pastor did much like Joseph did, and he ran for his life. He ran for his life. Praise the Lord for that. Yeah. And he didn't believe the enemy's lie. The enemy's lie is, yeah, it's just you and me. No one's ever going to find out. That's a lie. 
And so he ran, but he changed his behavior after that. He was never really on the church campus anymore by himself. He always had somebody with him after that. But that's, that's the lie of the enemy. What are the consequences? I want you to write these down. These, these are maybe some in this room, maybe some watching today. You're struggling with these consequences right now. Number one, wrong attitudes. Do you think Saul had the attitude that was right about David? Not at all. Saul never saw David the way God saw David. And so Saul had the wrong attitude about, about David. And maybe there's some of you today, you're struggling with jealousy in your family. You've got the wrong attitude about some family members. You're struggling with jealousy at your school, and you've got the wrong attitude about some classmates. Or you're dealing with jealousy in a workplace. It's just a wrong attitude. Or maybe there's jealousy among you or somebody in this church. It's just a wrong attitude. You don't see those people the way God sees those people. It's an attitude issue. And you can rest assured that somewhere that attitude is going to come out. It did for Saul. It became evident to David that Saul was very angry with him. And so it's going to come out as well. What is your attitude toward other people? I just encourage you to think about that. Do you need the Lord Jesus Christ who can do all things, who can heal you and set you free? Do you need him to change your attitude about another person in your life so that you're not jealous of that other person? Sometimes a wrong attitude. Second is ungodly behaviors. Saul has some very ungodly behaviors against David. In fact, he tried to kill him. That's how, that's how jealous and angry he was about David, God's servant. He tried to take his life. And maybe for you, you look at somebody again in your family, in your school, or uh, your workplace, or here in church. You just had some ungodly behaviors about other people. How do you need for the Lord to set you free from those ungodly behaviors? You say, what are those? Maybe you're just raging with anger. The Bible says here what Saul was very angry. So anger and jealousy oftentimes go together. And so maybe it's just an ungodly behavior of anger toward another person. Maybe you're seeking out the appropriate time that you can get revenge against somebody else. Be careful about that. And then maybe you look and Think about this other person. You're angry, jealous, but maybe something has happened and you're just living the Christian life with an unforgiving spirit toward that person. Ungodly behaviors are often in the context of those relationships. I just want to encourage you today. How many of you look at it and say, I've got a wrong attitude about somebody, but also there's some ungodly behaviors in my heart that I need for the Lord to deal with today. Number three, broken relationships. Oftentimes when jealousy is there, there's a broken relationship somewhere. Next week we're going to talk about David and Jonathan, the health of their relationship. It was an incredible friendship. And I would encourage you to, to connect with us next week. If you're struggling with friends, how many friends you have, we're going to talk about what friendship is like from the Word of God. It'd be critical for us. But in this context, Saul was dysfunctional. David and, and, and Saul had this very tenacious relationship. It was a broken, broken relationship. Again, I want to wonder how many folks here today, you look at your family, you think about your school tomorrow, you think about your workplace, you think about the fellowship of this church. How many of us, because of an angry, jealous spirit, are dealing with broken relationships and fellowship with somebody else. And you just need the Lord to heal that relationship. 
So I just want to encourage you today. When you look at wrong attitude, you need to ask the Lord to change your attitude. Ungodly behavior. Do you just need the Lord to change your behavior in relationship to somebody else? Broken relationship. You just need the Lord to restore and reconcile that relationship that is strained, that is broken, that is fragile. Because there are consequences. Number three, jealousy. What is the cure? We're always looking for that. You just look around at diseases. We're doing, we're, we're spending millions and millions and millions of dollars to figure out the cure of certain diseases. How can we find a, a cure for cancer or dementia or whatever the case may be? We look around as well and look at our society and we see the social evils around us. What is the cure of those things? How can we see those things dealt with? How do we move forward? When we were in Littleton, Colorado the other day, one of the requests I made of Pastor Dan to say, sometime before this day is over, can we drop by Columbine High School? You remember that school shooting. And we found ourselves looking at that school and seeing Columbine High School. Then we went to the memorial site where those students who lost their lives, there's things about them there. It is so moving and so touching. And I think, Lord, what is the cause? What is the cure of all the violence and the shootings we see in our world? How do we see that? And I walked away from there again, just just, just heartbroken after reading those things, but also just walking away and said this to Jason and Pastor Dan to say, as I walk away from here, it just reminds me the urgency of what we do as a church and those of us who serve in ministry is getting the gospel to people as quick as we can. Because you never know when life is going to change in the next few seconds because life is uncertain and life is fragile. But what is the cure? And again, just as David had five stones, I want to give you five principles here. I want you to focus on, we'll go through these quickly, but here's some of the cure for jealousy. Number one, confess that jealousy exists in your life. It's a big statement. How many people this morning just need to get honest with God? He knows everything about you anyway. Just get honest with him and say, Lord, I have a jealous spirit in my life. I confess that to you. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, here's these words. I wonder how many of us today would be honest enough, courageous enough just to pray this prayer. And here's what it is. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. How many of us are willing to come to this altar How many of us are willing to get on our knees where we are? How many of us are willing to stand before the Lord and just say, Lord, today will you search me? Will you know my heart? Will you try me and know my thoughts? And will you reveal to me any grievous way in my life? How many of us are willing to do that? Here's what I can tell you. If we're going to see revival in this country, if we're going to see revival in this church, you're going to see revival in their life, then we must start confessing sin in life as well. And as we confess sin, we'll see the Holy Spirit move in great ways. But one is, just confess that jealousy exists in your life. Just name it. Just be honest about it with the Lord, but maybe some other people as well. Number two, pray for the other person. Oh, there are some verses in the Bible that they're not difficult to to quote. Uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 14 says, do everything without grumbling or complaining. Isn't that easy to quote? Isn't that a good word? 
First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17 and 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is Christ, the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Isn't that an easy verse to quote? Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 says, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Aren't those easy to quote, but they're hard to live out, aren't they? I mean, how do I love my enemies? How do I pray for those who persecute me? How do I do everything without arguing, grumbling, or complaining? How do I rejoice always, give thanks in all circumstances? How do I do all that? Then how do you pray for the other person you're jealous about? I just encourage you to come before the Lord and just say, Lord, I pray for this family member. I pray for this person at school, this person in my workplace, this person at church. Lord, I just pray for you to bless his life or her life in a great way. Pray for the other person. That's not easy to do. But you have to realize you're living the Christian life, not on a cruise ship, but on a battleship. It's not going to be easy. But you pray for the other person. Number three, praise God for how he's working in the other person's life. There are just some things in life go together. Peanut butter and chocolate. Get a witness on that, anybody? It's pretty good. We have Reese's cups. Could be peanut butter and jelly, whatever your taste may be. RC Cola and what? Moon pie. Some of you don't even know what a moon pie is. Some of you don't even know what an RC Cola is. Back in the day, those were really good. I can think of others. I think about cable companies and poor service. I think they go together. I think it just comes natural. If you've got cable, you've probably got poor service. By the time you get ready to see somebody dunk a basketball or make a great shot, it just starts doing that little circle thing. And you missed it. But you can go back and watch it online or something and see the update of it. But some things just go together. And here's the thing. When you find yourself praying for another person and you find yourself praising God for that other person, how he's working in that person's life, those things just seem to go together. And you just see how the Lord works in your life. When you praise him and you pray, those two things just kind of relate together. And so if you're jealous about somebody, pray for the person, but also just praise God to say, God, thank you for working in that person's life. He or she's doing well at school, doing well in the office. I appreciate the family. Or God, thank you for the way you're using this person in the spiritual life. I just want to give you praise for that. Number four, find a way to bless the other person. Now we're getting into some hard stuff, aren't we? Bless somebody else. You say, how do I do that? Well, well, maybe you just write the person a letter or you write an email or you send a text message to say, I just want to bless you in some way. Maybe you make a phone call and we still do have phones that we can make phone calls with. And just to say, I just want to bless you and give you a word of encouragement. Maybe you say, you want to meet for coffee one day, you want to have a meal together one day, and you just find a way to bless the other person. Jesus said these words in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And sometimes if we're willing to bless somebody else, it breaks this bondage of jealousy in our own lives. Ains and I were flying out to the West Coast after Christmas. And uh, we flew from Nashville to LAX and then LAX to another city. And we get to LAX and we're sitting in the airport. We're sitting in the, sitting in the gate area. And then all of a sudden I hear somebody, the two agents up there, call out my name. I said, what in the world are they asking? I mean, we're on this flight, I think. 
And so then over the intercom, they call my name. And so I walk up to the, to the desk there at the gate and these two agents say, here's the situation. Cause you fly with Delta some, uh, we've got one upgrade in a seat and, and, and I see you're traveling. Is that your wife? I said, that's my wife. We can put, we can upgrade one of you. One have to stay where you're at. So we can upgrade one of you. Who wants the upgrade? And so I thought, Oh Lord, now do I want to get a better drink or you know, something out of a glass rather than a plastic cup? And they probably got better snacks up there. What's back there. So Lord, those things, what, what am I going to do with that? And I didn't do any of that. I just said, no, no, no. I want to stay where I'm at. You put her in the upgrade. I want to bless her in that. I've got the opportunity to want to do that. But how do you find a way just to bless other people? Now, Angie and I are not jealous of each other, anything like that. It's just, it's just refreshing to give and not simply receive, to bless somebody else. Number five, direct your attention to what God's doing in your life. Here's what I find sometimes in ministry and life. If you're so focused sometimes... Just you're jealous of somebody else. You'll miss what the Lord is doing in your own life. We can learn from other people, and we should, but we should never compare ourselves to other people. God, will you let me do that? God, will you let me possess that? God, will you let me look like that? Be the person God wants you to be. And yet you want to pray for the other person. You want to bless the other person. You want to do all those things. But also make sure you're focused on what God's doing in your life. What is he doing in your life? That Jesus has saved you and gifted you and left you. What's he doing in your life? And I want to encourage you, write down these three questions here at the end. What is Jesus teaching you? I mean, when you come to the word of God and you come to Bible studies and life, what is Jesus teaching you? Not merely somebody else. What's he teaching you? How's he, what's he doing in your life? Second, how's Jesus changing you? How is your life different because Jesus is working in your life and he's changing you? And then number three, how's Jesus using you? He's using the other person. He may be changing the other person. All those things about the other person. But what's he doing in your life? What is he teaching you? How's he changing you? How's he using you? And then when you start focusing on those things, you start putting that into practice. You understand the cause, you understand the consequences, and then you understand the cure. You start seeing jealousy being dealt with in your life. You experience jealousy, but you overcome jealousy. Then all of a sudden you realize, Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you're doing in my life. But Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in another person's life as well. Here's what I want to ask you today. This altar is going to be open. I'm going to be down here. Our pastoral team is going to be here. You're watching with us online. You can respond to us by social media platform your own. But how many of you just need to be honest today and say, I do have a jealous spirit. I am struggling with jealousy, envy over somebody else. And you just need to ask the Lord to set you free and to heal you and to heal that relationship. Anybody here today need that? I want to encourage you as well, if you're here, you're watching, you don't know Christ, only Jesus will save you. If you'll call out to him, you'll turn from your sin, you'll call on his name, he will save you and change your life. 
you need to be baptized as a believer in Christ, we'd love to see you obey the leadership of the Lord and come forward. You want to join the fellowship of this church, we'd love to see you make that commitment today and say, this is going to be my church family, my church home. And again, this altar is open for you to come and pray with our staff or some of our prayer team. We'd love to see that happen. But I just want to encourage you to focus on these words. What is he teaching you? How is he changing you? And how is he using you? And what does he want to do in your life in this invitation? Let's pray together and then we'll respond. Lord Jesus, invitations are extremely powerful. All throughout the Bible you say, come to me, come to me, come to me. And Lord, that's what we're seeking in this invitation, to come to Jesus. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. Just give me Jesus. He'll set us free. He'll heal us. He'll use us. He'll teach us. He'll change us. So Lord, I pray in this invitation time as we sing, it'll also be a time that we sing, but it'll also be a time that we respond privately or publicly. Lord, if we're struggling and we need victory in some areas, we come and just say, just give me Jesus and see his victory. But thank you, Lord, that we can respond to your Holy Spirit's invitation. And I pray this prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen.